Isaiah chapter 53, I'll begin reading in verse 1. The Bible said, Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generations? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. They made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he, was, he has put him to grief. I want to preach and teach tonight as we begin this series on part one on the atoning power of Christ. The atoning power of Christ. I believe if there's any subject or topic that we need to study and get more in-depth in, I believe it's the atonement of Christ. We all know and we all realize and understand the part of the atonement that talks about the spiritual deliverance and the salvation that comes through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, but I don't really believe that we really comprehend and think about sometimes that it was more than just the atoning and the forgiving of our sins. It was more than that. The atoning power of Jesus Christ not only did cover and forgive our sins, but it also took care of our mental battles and our mental anguish, and it also provided for us the healing that we received through Christ and through His atonement for the body and for our, our physical welfare. But we don't really look at it sometimes as part of the atonement. But over the next couple of lessons that we're going to teach and we're going to talk about, I hope that I'm able to explain and bring it out and to a point and a place to where we can tie it all together and everybody will have a better understanding about what is done through the atonement. You see, this passage in Isaiah 53 is very important because it gives us the revelation of what is called the atonement. The church has understood the teaching of the cross and the forgiveness of sin since 33 A.D. when Christ was crucified, and it's been the foundation of the church since Calvary. But the church has not been taught in-depth teaching on the second part of the atonement, which has to do with the beating that, Christ, that Jesus Christ took before they placed Him upon the cross. You see, the atonement is twofold. It's spiritual healing from sin, but it's also physical healing from disease for our physical body. 
when you look at the word save in the New Testament Greek, it is sozo. Which you look when when you look this word up, you'll find something that's not it says something that's not been taught. You'll find that it means salvation from sin, but it goes a lot deeper. It also means to be delivered or to be set free. What this is implying is that a total complete saving of the mind, the spirit, and of the body. When we look at the church in general, we find that it's only grasped half of the atoning work that Jesus provided at Calvary. We all recognize the sin factor. We all recognize the deliverance from sin, but we haven't really talked and, and, and thought about the saving power, the healing power of the mental battles that we go through or the physical side. I don't believe for a second that Christ died on the cross just to deliver us from sin, but yet didn't do anything anything to take care of our physical battle or do anything to take care of the mental anguish and the mental battles that we go through. I believe that he saved us for us to be whole and to be complete. He said, I come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Well, if you're only partly going to claim part of the atonement, you're not going to have life abundantly because you're still going to have struggles and battles and hardships and you're not going to be completely whole. I believe that when Jesus died on the cross, it was not only to deliver me from sin, but it was to heal my mind and my mental battles. It was to give me victory over the physical battles that we go through and that we could receive healing in our body. And I'm hoping that I can bring this out and we can shed some light on some things and give a better understanding. When we look at the church in general, we find that the only, we've only grasped part of the atoning work through Calvary. We accept the cross and the crucifixion, but we make everything else outside of that the spiritual atoning only. There are churches all over the country that do not believe that God can heal the sick. They don't believe that there's power in the name of Jesus when offered in faith through prayer to heal the sick and to raise a person off of his sickbed. But I would like to ask this question. When did God stop healing people? When did God's miracle working power cease? He started healing all the way back in the book of Genesis when he healed Amalek's family from being barren. He healed in Exodus 15 and 26 when he said, I am the Lord that heals you. He healed a thousand years later in David's time as he said in Psalms 103 and 3, who heals all thy diseases. Then he healed a thousand years later in the time of Jesus when the tall suntan Nazarene walked the shores of Galilee and laid his hands on sick people, opening blinded eyes, causing the lame to walk, to cleanse the lepers, and he even raised the dead back to life again. Will somebody please tell me when God stopped healing? I know there's people that says, well, that died out with the disciples and that died out with the early church. Well, honey, if you're going to think that way, you're cutting the atonement in half because he died for not only our sins, he died for our healing, he died for our mental battles, he died that we could be overcomers and that we could be whole and we could be complete. 
I believe he's still the God that heals and the God that delivers his people when we study and claim his word and believe in what his word says. Looking into the New Testament tonight, there's four things that I want to look at for briefly in this part of this lesson. There's four ways that a person can be healed. For the next few minutes, I want us to look at this, starting at the lowest level of healing, or going and then going to the highest. God has provided the body of Christ, the power, the anointing, through the atonement, that we can be healed in our body. I believe that God can still heal. You see, the lowest level of healing, or the basic level of healing, is laying on of hands. This is when a person will go and let somebody lay hands on them, praying for for them through the prayer of faith, depending on that person's faith, and anointing to bring a healing miracle in their body. You see, throughout the New Testament, there was many examples of people laying hands on people and miracles taking place. You can find that Jesus and his disciples ministered to many by laying hands on, on them. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law in Matthew 8 and 15 he said so he touched her hand and her fever left her we can find that Jesus healed two blind men in Matthew 9 and 29 and verse 30 he said he touched their eyes saying according to your faith let it be to you and their eyes was open he healed a man that was deaf a deaf mute in Mark chapter 7 verses 33 through 35 he took him aside from the multitude put his fingers in his ears and he spat and touched his tongue and then looking up to heaven he sighed and said to him be open and immediately his ears was opened and immediately of the, uh, and the impeachment of his tongue was loosed uh, and he spoke plainly. So we can find several references uh, where Jesus laid hands on people. You can go over in Mark chapter 5, uh, chapter five uh, and you find the familiar story of Jairus uh, who was the, the ruler uh, in Jerusalem but yet his daughter became ill and became sick unto death uh, and he said if I can get a hold of Jesus if I can find this man called Jesus he can come and lay hands on my daughter she will be healed and she'll be delivered so he started out on a journey to find Christ he finally finds him he goes and he begins to tell him about his daughter's condition he says Lord I know that if you'll come with me and you'll pray for my daughter she'll be healed and she will be delivered and in the process of him telling Christ about his daughter's physical condition one of his servants one of the people that worked for him come and found him and said listen don't bother the master anymore it's too late it's over your daughter has already died but Jesus hearing the conversation looked at him and said do not be afraid but believe and I will see a miracle you will see what I can do and Jesus went with him and when he got there to the house we know the story of the wailers and the mourners that was there but he put all of them out after they laughed him to scorn when he told them he said she's not a she's not dead she's just asleep but he put them all out as they were laughing and he took in the mother the father and the disciples that was with him he went into the bedroom or the chamber where the girl was and verse 41 said then he took the child by the hand and said to her little girl 
girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and there were they were overcome with great amazement. For God laid hands on this little 12-year-old girl, and she was brought back to life because God is still a healer. We can find where Peter and John heals a lame man at the gate called Beautiful. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 6 through 8 it said then Peter said silver and gold I do not have but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and he took him by the right hand he lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength and the Bible said that he was leaping up stood walked and entered into the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God this is the simple basic level of healing taught in the Bible that you could lay hands on the sick and they will recover because of the atoning power that Jesus Christ has given us at Calvary when he died on the cross I thank God for the atoning power of Jesus Christ the next level of healing is the gifts of miracles or the gift of healing Let's first of all look at the working of miracles. This is a gift is in operation when a person is doing a supernatural act by the divine anointing of the Holy Spirit. Doing something that cannot be explained, something that cannot be normally done. This is a the, the gift of miracles in operation. You say, well, what, what, what can you think about, Pastor, that, that, that would give us an example? Well, I, I thought about this one as was an excellent example when Jesus and the disciples was out in the deserted place and there was 5,000 men besides women and children that had followed them all day long and they were ministering and they were teaching and healing and doing miracles. And then the end of the day came and his disciples said, let's send them away because we don't have anything to eat. We can't feed all this crowd. They're liable to fall by the wayside. Let them go now so that they'll have time to get to the marketplace or get home and they can get food or nourishment. But Jesus said, don't send them away. We ain't sending them home. They're still being ministered to. We still got work to do. He said, but Lord, what are we going to do? He said, what do we have? What have we got here in our possession? He said, well, there's a little boy here. said, he's got five loaves and he's got two fish. But said, Lord, what's that going to be among so many? And then he told him, he said, bring it to me. And as they brought the loaves and the fish to Jesus, he commanded the disciples to tell the people to sit down upon the grass. And they brought him the loaves and the fish. He looked up, he blessed it, and he began to break. And he gave to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the people. And the Bible said that they all did eat and were filled. And then at the end of this thing, they took up 12 baskets full of leftovers. I think about this all the time, and this is a, one of my favorite stories, but I think about why was there 12 baskets? I believe it was to give the disciples something tangible to hold on to because they didn't believe a miracle could be done. They were saying, send them home and 
Jesus was saying, bring me what we got because I got a miracle coming. There's a miracle about to show up. I'm about to show you what God can do. And I believe that there was 12 baskets of leftovers because Jesus and the Father wanted them to have to tote it for a while to remind them, I've done fed over 5,000 people and you're toting the leftovers that you're going to have for supper or you're going to have for lunch the next day. That's the miracle working power of God in effect. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 12, Paul anointed handkerchiefs and gave them to people and miracles of healing took place. I think about this all the time. That's what we're doing right here. We're anointing these. How many times do we come around and we bind together in faith and we anoint them with oil and we lay hands on them and we pray healing over them and we pray deliverance over them and we pray that there'll be divine miracles that take place by the people People that wrap up in them. And Cindy was just telling me about a man today before service that's been battling prostate cancer and how it had metastasized and how it had spread through his body and his bones and they wasn't giving him any hope. But they said he kept hanging on to the Word. He kept hanging on to God and he wrapped up in blankets and he wrapped up in the prayers of the church. And then when he went back in for a PET scan to their amazement... They couldn't find any cancer. They couldn't find anything. It wasn't there. And that's because of the miracle working power of our healer and our deliverer. You see, in verse 12, it said, So that from his body were brought unto him, unto the sick, handkerchiefs and aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and evil spirits went out of them. You see, when people are healed through the gift of healing, this is when God supernaturally heals the sick through a ministry anointed by the Holy Spirit. A person given a gift from the Holy Spirit and the holy power of God to pray for a particular kind of sickness or disease and them have power over that and there be miracles that would take place. You say, well, Pastor, I just really don't know about that. Well, I've heard stories of Catherine Kuhlman. I've heard stories about different men and different ministers throughout the healing age and the, the, the miracle time of the early 40s and the early 50s. And I think about all the things that God done and I've heard of the stories of how that they would lay hands on people and tumors would fall and be gone and disappear. I've heard stories about how that cancers would be gone and disappear. I'm here to tell you tonight that through the atoning power of Jesus Christ he's still a miracle worker he's still a healer and he can still deliver and set us free from the physical things that try to bind us can somebody say amen now the third level of healing is this <coughs> when the elders anoint with oil James chapter 5 tells us in verse 14 through 16, he says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
Confess your trespasses one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, this is powerful verses. This is powerful scriptures that is telling us that through the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, that he provided for the body, the believers, that the body would have the power to minister to one another, that the body could minister to the body. The hand could lay hands on the shoulder. The hand could lay hands on the leg. The hand could touch the body. And by faith, with prayer, believing, and there be miracles that would take place. God intended and empowered the church to do more than just be observers and be lookers. This wasn't given to the pastors. It wasn't given to the super duper evangelists. It wasn't given to the. It wasn't given to the prophets. It wasn't given to the apostles it wasn't given just to teachers it talks about the body of Christ the elders of the church are the wise the mature the grown people in God that have the faith to believe God for a miracle lay hands on somebody and things happen and things be changed you see the reason that this is the third level is because this does involve the elders the use of anointing oil. This is a basic church function that can be used every week, every service, anytime you want to. God has equipped the body of Christ with the power to minister to those among the body who are sick by the elders, laying hands on them, anointing them with oil, praying the prayer of faith, and they shall recover and be healed. When we cut off the laying on of hands, the calling of the elders, the anointing of all, and believing for faith and believing for miracles through faith, we cut the atonement in half. We're not believing the whole the whole atonement that Christ died for. I don't believe that the miracle working power of God died with the disciples. I don't believe it stopped with the early church. I believe that God wants the body of Christ to be empowered with the anointing to bring healing to the body in these last days and I believe with all my heart that God is going to show up in these days before the rapture takes place and God's going to move on the body I ain't talking about the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, the prophets. I'm talking about the body. God's going to move on some church members. God's going to move on some people that said, Oh, I've done my job. I'm old now. I'm weary. I'm tired. I believe God's about to bring a revival in your body. And I believe it's going to be your faith that God's going to use and work through the body of Christ to still do miracles and see things done in the body God wants to bless and use the body of Christ we can lay hands on people and pray for them anytime that we want to pray for them. we can operate through the gifts of healing and the working of miracles but this will only happen at the will of the Father as the Spirit brings on the unction and the Spirit moves upon you doesn't mean you're going to operate in the gift of healing or the gift of miracles just at your pleasure when you want to. It's got to be unctioned and anointed by the Holy Spirit. 
but calling for the elders of the church, anointing with oil, praying the prayer of faith, is something that can happen no matter where you're at. It can happen in a home visit as well as in our weekly church service. God empowered and equipped the body of Christ to minister to one another by calling for the elders of the church, anointing them with all, and praying for the prayer of faith. God has anointed the body of Christ to pray for one another. Why do you think that, that happened? Why do you think God set it up that way? I believe God set it up that way because that, that's going to keep unity in the church. You need a miracle. You ain't going to get one when you got all against your brother or your sister. And you're going to have to get it out. And if you're going to need a miracle and you're going to receive a miracle, then you're going to have to be in unity. You're going to have to love your brother. You're going to have to love your sister. You're going to have to get over some things. You're going to have to press in. You're going to have to decide, is my pride more, uh, more worth more than my miracle? I need my miracle more than I need my pride. I need a miracle more than I need what somebody's opinion is. I need a miracle, and I need to be able to know that God can move through the body, and I can receive a miracle of healing by calling for my elders and them anointing me with oil and laying hands on me and knowing that something's going to happen, and it ain't going to happen if you can't stand to be around one another. Mm, preach on. I will. Now, just because we're an elder of the church don't mean that we get to put in the judgment seat. Mm, I believe I'll preach well. We think that when we get seasoned, we have the right to say and do anything we want to say. Well, bless God, I've been here for 30 years. It's my church. I, I can say whatever I want to say. No, you can't. Well, that preacher ain't going to tell me what good. No, I, you ain't got to worry about me. You need to be worried about him. It don't matter what I think. I can't affect you one way or the other. I'm going to love you and preach to you whether you love me or not. But you make him mad, you're going to stop your blessing. You're going to stop your miracles. You're going to stop everything good in your life. You're going to see the well dry up. You're going to see the anointing stop. The next thing you know, you're going to be the old dried up grab, crabby old person that don't like anything or anybody. That's a miserable place to be. God didn't put us here for us to point fingers at one another and point out all of our faults. Anybody that wants to get on that hobby horse and wants to get in that seat needs to be knocked off of it. The only one that's got the right to do that is him. Not anybody else. Do we really want miracles? Do we really want the atoning power of Jesus Christ to work in our life? then we have to line up with the atoning power of His blood. The fourth level and the highest level of healing 
is speaking the word by faith and receiving a miracle. I found in Matthew chapter 8 a, a powerful story. And the Lord began to deal with my heart about this story. And I'm just going to paraphrase a little bit of it, but Jesus came into Capernaum and a centurion came to him and said, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed and dreadfully sick. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. I'm not worthy for you to walk into my home. But only speak the word and my servant will be healed. He said, Lord, you don't have to bring a prayer cloth. You don't have to get the anointing oil out. You don't have to come to my house. You don't have to lay hands on him. I believe that you're God, and I believe that if you'll just speak the word, I believe that there will be a miracle that will take place, and I believe things will be changed. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who was following him, he said, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And then in verse 13 he said, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. All he had to do was speak the word. We have got to get to the point as the body of Christ in 2019, about to go into 2020, that we've got to know and we've got to believe that God can still speak to us and miracles take place. You say, what are you talking about? I thought somebody had to prophesy over me. I thought somebody needed to lay hands on me. All those are good things. But God needs to speak to you through this right here. And when this speaks to you, there needs to be miracles that come along behind it. There needs to be miracles that take place. You see, Jesus' word was so powerful <coughs> that all he had to do was speak the word and the servant was healed. The Bible said in Ezekiel 12 and 25, he said, I will watch over my word to perform it. In other words, Anything that I have spoken, anything that I have sent out, anything that's come out of my mouth, anything that I've anointed that I sent forth to the body of Christ, I'm watching over what I said and I'm making sure that it's going to perform the function that I, went, I meant for it to perform. He said in Psalms 107 and 20, he said, so he said, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. He didn't say he sent a person. He didn't say that he sent a captain. He didn't say that he sent uh, a messenger. It said that he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. The highest level of healing is to be able to just have faith enough to say, you don't have to lay hands on me. You just speak the word in the name of Jesus, and I'll receive my miracle by faith in the spoken word, and I'll be healed. That's the highest level of healing. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, said, have faith in God. 
For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. We need to get to the point, church, that we've got to start speaking to the mountain. We've got to start commanding the mountains to be removed. What are, you, what are you talking about, Pastor? Whatever's standing in your way from reaching the potential that God wants you to reach, whatever's holding you back, whatever's got in your way, whatever's stifled your anointing, whatever's hell holding you back, whatever's got you by the coattail, you've got to speak to it and tell it to turn you loose. i got a job to do. There's things the anointing's going to do through me, and God's going to do miracles in my life. We've got to start speaking to some mountains. We've got to start claiming that there's things that's going to take place. You say, well, how, why, why should we do that? Very simple. There's more power that comes out of your mouth than what you think it is. It's dangerous for some of you. We'll get that in a minute. Proverbs 18 and 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Whatever we speak out of here determines whether or not we walk in victory or we don't. But what we speak out of here also determines whether we bless somebody or we tear somebody down. I don't find anywhere in the Scripture where Jesus tore folks down. When the lady that was caught in the very act of adultery, and they brought the lady to Jesus and throwed her down at his feet, and said, did not Moses say that when we, they were caught in the, adult, in the act of adultery, that they were to be stoned and put to death? Jesus pondered for a little while, probably kind of glanced around the crowd, took an inventory in his mind, knelt down in the dirt, probably found a stick, and he probably started doing some writing. And he probably said, Jim Bob did such and such. John Doe did such and such. Mindy May did such and such. And the next thing you know, all these people that standing around hollering stone her and kill her, he's done named all of them. And he said, the one without sin, the one that's never made a mistake, the one that's never messed up, the one that's never made a bad decision, the one that's always done the right thing and never fallen short, go ahead and throw the first stone. Go ahead. But by the time he got through riding in the dirt, there was no accusers left. He picked the woman up. He said, go and sin no more. Your sins have been forgiven. He didn't give her a good talking to. He didn't tell her how sorry she was. He didn't tell her how she'd failed God. He didn't tell her how she was a disgrace to society. He didn't tell her how she had messed up and disappointed her kids. He, he didn't tell her none of that. 
He had the right to. He was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, but he didn't tell her none of that. He said, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And that was the end of it. Church, we need to realize that in these last days, if we want to see the miracles that God intends for the body of Christ to see, we've got to pay close attention to what comes out of our mouth. Because what comes out of our mouth determines whether God pours out blessings on our life or He withholds blessings on our life. I can't afford for God to withhold blessings in my life. I need miracles more than I ever have. I need God. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes. If God says, crawl down the aisle of the church on your knees and crawl up to somebody and tell them you're sorry for what you said about them. Buddy, you better be looking. I'm going to be doing some crawling because I need a miracle. But if we could all get to the point that we were that desperate for a miracle, they'd be a lot less talking 